Love the Karate in the Garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Freddie. Oh, you might take it, take it again. But say it, do it again. I'm Freddie Woff. Okay, you're gonna start it. Go, go again. I'll, I'll from the top. <laughs> from the top. As they from say. the top. in the garage. I'm Corey Culp. I'm still Freddie Waff. He's still Freddie Waff. That was a retake because he took a hit. We were talking for 15 <laughs> minutes and he takes a hit right as we we're starting to record. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's the way it goes. Hey, guess what today is? Today is the 23rd of December, which means that it is, well, a couple of things. It's it's Christmas Eve tomorrow and Christmas Day on Sunday. And it's also today is the sixth day of Hanukkah. It's that weird time, uh, oper- you know, weird, yeah. weird situation where we they're both like right on top of each other. So the last day of Hanukkah falls on uh, Christmas. Christmas Day. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Oh, wow. Well, we, this one. Dude, I can't believe we're actually going to cover, we're actually going to talk about Yentl. It's really kind of weird. I know. I don't, ignore what it says. This is not the bishop's wife. We're talking about Yentl and. Is a joke to get you all to tune in. Yes, it, it is. Damn it. No, but look, man, we're not really. It is the bishop's wife. You're, it is you've the, lucked out. You've walked into a, you know, it's a it's a miracle, a Christmas miracle. It's a Christmas. We pulled an audible because the thing we recorded last week was supposed to be out today. And then we got done recording and you're like, hey, instead of doing that thing, let's do this thing. And I'm like, oh, yes. So, and because it's a Christmas movie, damn it. Yeah. And it kind of fits in, right? Like, I mean, it's it not. It totally does. It's not necessarily a ghost story, but. No, no. One could yeah. say <laughs> that an angel and a ghost are the same thing. You can say that because there's moments <laughs> I mean, in there I can people, say it. <laughs> people don't see, don't, they don't see Cary Grant's deadly all the time. They don't, not everybody sees no, him. you don't. I love how everybody sees him and nobody, I mean, he's like the most handsome dude in town and, and everybody kind of acknowledges it, but it's like the moment he's out of their, out of sight, he's kind of just, you know, it's, it's, it's a very clever premise. Yeah, I agree. And here's just what I find super interesting about the movie as a whole. Well, I mean, it's based on a novella from 28 and like when you watch this movie being something that came out in 47, you think that this is that try to find that uplifting thing, that very Capra-esque thing after, you know, a post-war time where people are trying to get their lives back together and they're starting families and that kind of thing. And there's still a little bit of despair from, from people coming home from war. And this kind of thing was really built, not initially, but what it finally became was something that was built to lift spirits up and, and to remind people what's important in life and stuff. And very much Capra-esque. And it's interesting is when you and I were talking beforehand, there's very little trivia on a movie like this. And it's not surprising. Silly movies, almost what? 75 years old, 75 years old. The, the thing is that when Samuel Goldman produced it, it he had a different director that <laughs> William Sider was the original director and he got replaced by Henry Coster because showing this to audiences. And we both, we, we both assume that this is like not, not folks in Chatsworth, but you know, people that work for, for Goldwyn at the studio at RKO were probably brought in to, to check it out. And, and it didn't serve 
the, the story well. People were not happy with it. And they just disliked the movie overall. And so that's when they brought in Henry Coster. But they also did something I think was key. And I think it's, it's everything as far as tone goes, as far as I'm concerned, is that they brought Billy Wilder and Charles Brackett, longtime writing duo, to come in there and polish it up with uncredited rewrites. But they reshot this thing from the get-go. So everything that they had in the can was completely redone with Wilder and Brackett's new script. That's a crazy thing to think about because I've only known this movie that feels like, like I said, very much a cash press thing. It feels like a Billy Wilder bracket scriptage movie. And that's because it is. I I didn't even know that until we started talking about the movie. Yeah. No, nor did I. I mean, it's like you talk about movies that are perfect. This is perfect. And by the way, I want, I want to point this out. It looks fucking great. We both watched it on prime. The, yep. the transfer is fantastic. There's a weird part though. Like right when, it takes this blue hit. Did you see that on your end? Yes. Mm-hmm. I thought I thought it was a uh, playback. So don't don't be alarmed. It happens for a moment. So if you guys happen to watch this on Prime, it just takes this weird little blue hit. And I obviously some bad and nobody thought enough of it to say, hey, put a new encode of that in there, but it doesn't matter. No. I, what I was getting at was this is years before we get scope, right? We're not even, you know, aspect ratios oh, yeah. are always always the same. But doesn't this feel like a wide movie anyway? Dude, it feels so big, this right? movie, right? Like you you feel like you're there and you live there. I mean, it's funny, man. I literally, after we recorded the last episode, I literally went and watched it. That <laughs> so night. Did I. I told I you I was going to go watch it and I literally went and put it on. I know I didn't watch the whole thing, but I was just kind of like watching going, oh man. And I couldn't get sucked in. I had other stuff I had to do. But uh, yeah, dude, it's, it, it's, okay. The intimate, we talked about before, you know, even when you get your big 235, 239 movies, you still get those intimate moments where you can push in in there. And this movie, you get those intimate moments, but when you have the skating scene in this movie and hell for that matter, the, the, the snowball fight, it doesn't feel, it doesn't, and you know what? It's because they had these massive sound stages. So you could pull, pull the camera way the hell back and not worry about your map being discovered because it's, but because they made everything so large anticipating that with the limitations that they had back then, they weren't thinking, you know, like, like a John Ford movie where I need three cameras to get it all. Right. We, yeah, we exactly. I mean, what I love about this movie is it's a Christmas movie, but it's not overly sentimental. No. I mean, to me, it's very similar in structure to It's a Wonderful Life, which yep. everybody is super familiar with. And it's funny because I don't think, I feel like people aren't quite as familiar with this movie no. as they are with It's a Wonderful Life and Miracle on 34th Street, obviously. But right. I mean, this thing is, is every bit as good as those movies. I'm not, I'm not saying I don't like those movies, but I've seen them a bunch. And like I told you earlier, I have probably hadn't seen this movie since, God, you know, when, when they used to run it on TNT with commercials or TBS or, right. or maybe even VHS. I'm, I'm, I'm going to bet, but I, I'd seen it several times growing up, but I hadn't seen it one time since, or maybe I, did I see, I think I might've seen it once at a screening. I went somewhere to see it somewhere like the Egyptian maybe, but that was 20 years ago (laughs) or everything about this movie is endearing. And it, it is in a way that's not corny or schlocky. All the characters are flawed, including Dudley, the angel. Right. But there's never a moment where you're like, I don't like that character. Right. Everybody's like top of the game. Loretta Young is wonderful. David Niven is doing what David Niven does best yes. in yes. this movie, man. And Cary Grant is like, it's funny because we talked about off mic about our favorite Cary Grant movies. 
I don't know, man. I might put this one in my favorite Cary Grant movies. It, definitely performance wise, it's, he's so good in it, man. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the perfect. You know, this is was this is this was only a couple years after Arsenic and Old Lace, right? I think you can see this is like not the same Cary Grant. He's starting to age gracefully, you know, and become that sort of Cary Grant from To Catch a Thief, and we're seeing him. But man, I mean, he's so good in this movie. Yeah. He, like, like, I don't want to beat that ice, but that ice skating scene, man. The, the whole moment from the time where Niven asks him if he has cab fare to pay yeah. for cab. And of course he does it because angels don't carry money, Corey. Right. right. We also, we get character actors in this movie. Yep. I mean, you know, from the moment that, you know, they jump into the cab with James Gleason. And you and I are both really familiar with Arsenic Gold Mace. Right. So we know that there's there's a built-in rapport between these guys, and they're so it's so good. Yeah, that whole sequence with them. Yep, the ice skating sequence, everything after the ice skating. I mean, I, I can't go on enough about the chemistry between all of the actors in this movie. Oh I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, and Monty Woolley. Let's talk about Monty Woolley for a second. Yep. You know, here's the thing: in in like '40s sort of romantic. Is this a romantic comedy? Is that what you would call this? I don't know, man. I mean, yeah. it's a fantasy. Yeah. Is it a romantic? It's not wrong. I don't know. You would call it a rom-com. It's, it's a little bit rougher around the edges than that. I think. Yeah. I think it, yeah, I'm with you. It's not, I, I mean, it's listed as a comedy drama, fantasy romance, but I don't know what that really means. Yeah. Well, you know, they're trying to hit all these, <laughs> it's a quiet, it hits all the quadrants. No, I'm kidding. It, it's hard to describe that way because I mean, I said it like four times already. It just, I think the reason why people don't call it dramas or comedies or whatever, fantasy, and just call it Capra-esque because Frank Capra kind of invoked a whole slew of genres in tone in one movie and all of his movies were like that. So I guess that's really the reason why it does feel a lot like it's a wonderful life in a lot of ways. Yes. Not the obvious part of that, that there's being angels involved in that and the angel helping the earth people out, if you will. Right. I'll say this though, when it comes to, and I love Jimmy Stewart and don't, I'm not knocking him, but when you send down a flawed angel and it's Cary Grant and Cary Grant, who most people see him like, wait, he's flawed. No, that's not right. I can't be right. That juxtaposition because he was, he's what women wanted and what dudes wanted to be. They wanted to be him. Yeah. And at that time. And so to find out, wait, oh shit, he's flawed. Okay. But really? <laughs> and we talk about two kind of guys that he plays. He plays the overly, you know, the super confident guy. And even though he's flawed in this, Dudley is very confident in his job and what he's going to do. You know, always knowing that he's going to, on the, at the end of the day, get what he wants. But does he? Right. <laughs> Maybe he gets the end of the, uh, of his time here helping out uh, Henry and Julia. Because, because the movie is built around, about, around David Newman's character, Bishop Henry, you know, asking for guidance. Yes. And that's why Dudley shows up. Or is it because she was asking for guidance? Because, you know what I mean? I had this, I'd never thought of it before. I never re remembered any of it. But when I'm watching it, when he tells Niven, if you, the only way I'll leave is if you, and then when he tells him to leave, he doesn't leave because she also had prayed for him to show up, right? Or am I wrong? Yeah, I guess I no, uh, I mean, because he tells him to piss off, right? Yeah. And then But he doesn't. What is it that that Dudley does to just leave? You know, when when he when he confesses his feelings for her? Right. He says what he says, but the conversation with him and, and Bishop happened after that. Right. 
Well, there's just that moment early on where she says, oh my God, I've been praying for you for, you know, I've been praying for right when, when he says, oh, I'm his assistant. And she's like, oh, I've been praying for you. And, and then he says, oh, you too. Right. Yeah. 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 Maybe it's a moment. I never, ever, I, I never caught it before in the, you know, the many times I've seen this. Right. He could have been there for, for both reasons. And, and, yeah. but the, the only thing that, that we knew for sure is he told the Bishop that I, you know, you asked for guidance. Right. I think it was interesting because you get Dudley in there a whole bunch of times disclosing that these aren't normally the jobs I get to do. I don't, I don't normally get to do things like this. And I think he might be onto something because it would explain why he would be allowed to come down here and do something like that when it's not his normal type of job, knowing he was going to be conflicted. Right. And, and maybe to write his mind and to be a better angel or something. Who knows? Man? I, but I think that that's a, that's an interesting point. And now that I'm not, that, that you've said that I'm like, yeah, you know, that's, that seems plausible, especially considering who did the rewrite. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm, I'm it's funny. Cause I had made plan. I'm going to probably watch this again before Christmas day. There you go. Just because it's on prime. <laughs> that, what I found was really fun when, again, go back to the character actors in this, you know, and Jimmy Gleason playing Sylvester, the taxi driver. By the way, they did a great job in disguising the real skaters. They, they stayed wide, but you didn't get, you know, and the lighting is the way it is, but you, it never felt, it never felt phony. I'm like, no. And, you know, you get, and you get to see enough of, well, you can't really count. <laughs> You know, Gleason doesn't skate very well when you see him. He's like fumbling around. But, you know, Cary Grant and, and Loretta Young oh. skate around well enough. I'm sure that Cary Grant is doing a lot of his own skating. He was an acrobat. You know, he was a circus performer when he was a kid. I'm I'm pretty sure that that is him doing most of his skating. Well, yeah, but when he's paired up, it's, it's clear that like, whoever is Loretta oh. Young yes. standing in, he's got to stand in there too. There was definitely a build difference between the two skaters, but. Again, who cares a shit? <laughs> yeah, who cares, man? Fuck it. For all you know, it's Cary Grant and James Gleason. <laughs> <laughs> and it's super wonderful. Uh, what I found was fun was when Sylvester brings them back to the house and he's he's convinced that they're a couple, that Dudley and, and Julia are a couple. Yes. And there's a funny little reveal later on. And again, I won't, this is, I don't want, it's not about spoiling things. It's just, there's, I don't want to take any of the charming moments from the movie for people who have never seen this before, or if it's been a long time since you've seen it. But I thought that was funny. I'm like going, he thought she was a bride and there's somebody else that's a bride in this movie. Yes, there is. Elsa <laughs> Lanchester playing Matilda, the housekeeper. Yes. And she's, I mean, how many years removed from, Bride of Frankenstein, are we? Oh, here? dude, this is like 15 years after the yeah. fact, right? Like yeah. Bride of Frankenstein is like 31-ish or something. Yeah. But I mean, she's it's funny, she's it's hard to not recognize her, right? Like right. when you see her, you're like, oh, wait a second. Yeah. And it took me, you know, it and I'm again I'd seen it before, but I don't know that it ever registered. But when I was but the first time she shows up, I'm like, it is holy shit, hang on a second. And then there's the moment where during the tree scene, right? That's when it really just hit me. I was like, cause I didn't, I, I was enjoying so much. I wasn't looking at IMDb for any, I just was watching the movie and I had that moment where it, where it hit me like, and that's almost what, that's like three quarters of the way into the movie when I was like, holy fuck, it's the bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah. It's the bride. It's the bride. Obviously everybody here is there for Cary Grant, Leroy Young and, and David Niven. But again, it's the supporting team that really adds a lot to it. You know, Sarah Hayden playing Niven's secretary, and she's not in it a lot, but she's nice in it. And the little girl, 
Carolyn Grimes, I want to try to remember something else that she was in, but much older, like as an adult, I want to say she was on like Bonanza or some shit like that, playing Debbie, the daughter of Nivens and, and Loretta Young. Doesn't she also play Zuzu in uh, It's a Wonderful Life? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Duh. I mean, that's where I knew it from. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I mean, not only, you know, it's it's the year after. Uh, yes. Zuzu and her pedals. Oh, dude. Rio Grande. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yeah, that's totally. there's the my that's why Bonanza was in my <laughs> Yeah, sure. Bonanza, real grand, it's all good. And there's so many people that are so wonderful in this, but I think the standout for me that other than the ones that that have the most screen time with the leads is Gladys Cooper playing Agnes Hamilton, who is the biggest it's I guess a parishioner of of the of the church, but she's also the one with the most money and she's the one that can single handedly build this cathedral, this this new church yes. that the bishop wants to build. He thinks that is that is the solution to help his the city and and the and the people and not just the parishioners, but the people around them. And there's even multiple times where Dudley and, and Henry have conversations about four million dollars, man. Right. By the way, by the way, four million dollars in nineteen forty seven. Oof. It's a lot of money. And Dudley <laughs> Dudley's Dudley convincing him that's that's a lot of money that could help people eat and that don't have roofs over their head and just Right. How great is that scene? Oh, it's everything. It really, I mean, it's it's the moment where Henry stops looking at as at Dudley as a threat. Yes. You know, he stops looking at him as this guy that's in here, like wooing my woman. He doesn't really see it that way. All he just he just noticed that she's occupied. I, I love the way that Niven plays the whole uh, like he doesn't not believe he's an angel, but he's also not. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I like the way everybody sort of plays it. Even for the professor, the minor miracles, and you know, uh, yeah, it's just it's God. It's such a sweet movie. I mean, it, yeah. And you know what's crazy about Gladys Cooper? I mean, this is probably, you know, you got to be a deep diver, but I mean, she's Mrs. Higgins from My Fair Lady. Yeah. <laughs> and she was in Rebecca, dude. You could go through this entire cast and you know all these faces from other movies. Yep. You know, it's, it goes back to the, the way the studios were set up with contract players, right? Yep. And I feel like that's kind of a reason a lot of these movies, when you watch them now, they still hold up because there's just that on-screen chemistry among the entire cast, like nobody seems like they're strangers. If, if they're all in a, a town like this, you know, right. There's just a sense of community on screen that right. works in this movie. Yeah. And and there's some really beautiful moments like the Christmas tree moment. Yeah. Like with this scene we were just talking about where the assistant finally shows up. I love dude. I love when he shows up and he's like, tell him his assistant. And he's like, she'll see me. And the Butler takes his coat. And he's so put out, but he doesn't know why Yeah, he just does as he's told. And then, their whole meeting, man, is so great. To, I wanted to point out, you and I talked pre-Mike about Professor Wutheridge pouring his his never-ending, his bottomless wine bottle <laughs> or sherry bottle. Yeah, the sherry bottle, yeah. And it, it never, and he he realizes that, like at some point, we don't see him. We, we see the bottle refilled twice in the movie before he has to sit down with Nevins and he goes, hey, watch this shit. <laughs> And he pours two glasses of sherry and he goes, look, it's still full. And they do that whole magician's trick where you have the the the, the, the double-walled bottle where you can still show the liquid, even though they're, they're pouring liquid out of the bottle and it still always looks like it's full. That wonderful effect, where else is that? You're, the, the typewriting scene where he types up, where oh, yeah. Dudley has a new sermon. But the one thing that connects, you know, the scene you're talking about and the, the effects were how well they comped in 
Cary Grant's face while the standing and the real heart player is playing the song. Oh, dude. Right? Yeah. And I'm like going, yeah. <laughs> yes. I, I, me too. And uh, I, I was like, holy shit, dude. They, and here's the thing. I was like, they were able to put an angel in the movie playing a harp. And I didn't go, I didn't, I didn't guffaw at it. I, it wasn't distracting. It was the opposite of cheesy. Yeah. Because you're at that point, you're already in, you're already in, you've already settled into what this movie is and the tone and the warm blanket by the fireplace kind of vibe that it gives you that it's intentionally, intentionally giving you. And you're fine with you. It's like you, you, even you don't roll your eyes. Even us talking about it, I'm like, is it an eye rolling moment? Fuck no. Even the, even not sitting there watching, not watching it right now. I don't feel. Oh, don't try to manipulate me, you fuckers! I hate movies that they're, they're clearly trying to manipulate you. But this movie is again seventy five years old, and I never feel like it's. I don't ever feel like I have strings attached to my limbs. I never no. feel that way. No. Nope, not at all. I don't feel like I'm being led down a path. I feel I feel like I'm watching. You know, here's the thing, man. It's made it's it's made with an earnestness yep. that movies now are not made with, and it, it can kind of be said for "It's a Wonderful Life" is the same way. Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, they're all made with an earnestness that doesn't kind of exist anymore. Sadly, right? You know? Yeah. I mean, because they've all all those movies have been remade, and none of the remakes are really worth mentioning. I I don't think. The Miracle on 34th Street from the 90s. Well, it's not awful, but if you have the original, why do you need that? <laughs> yeah, there's some, there's a couple of really good moments. And I, in fact, I was just watching it the other day in the moment with the deaf girl. Yes. It's really wonderful. And it's, again, it's John Hughes. He's not going to give you total cookie cutter. He's not going to give you a full-on remake. Right. But it's but it's a moment, like you said, it, but a moment doesn't make it a better or even an equal movie to the original. No. Yeah, it's okay if if you if there is no original. It's a it's a it's a lovely movie. But if you have the choice between watching the two, I mean, you know, what are you gonna watch? Right. We we talked about this movie for a week because well not a week. It's been about five days since we recorded the last episode and us talking about doing this one. Uh it, and it is a what's the best way to describe it? You read the synopsis, it's everything you want to be. It lives up to it. And it lives up to the memory, too. We always talk about, <laughs> is it better remember or remember better? I'm like, 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 come on. It's oh. fucking Cary Grant, Loretta Young, and David Niven. Yeah, man. Even if you've never seen it, it's remembered better. <laughs> yeah, look, look, it, it's kind of like, hey, man, you know what this is? It's a Christmas present to you guys. Yep. I mean, really, like, a lot of times we talk about movies and, you know, we're, we're kind of like smart ass and everything. But I mean, there's nothing. I mean, this movie, I literally, if you watch this and you don't feel good at the end, there's something fundamentally wrong with you. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. And Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. It's free on prime. So check this out. I mean, it's, you know, it's not going to cost you anything, but your time. One step further than that. And uh, for some reason, if it's a, if it ends up being something that is, possibly a territory issue. It is on Tubi and Pluto. Correct. So there you go. And dude, I love Loretta Young. Dude, she's such an underrated actress and she's so good in this. Yep. The scene with her in her, you know, when she comes home and she rushes upstairs and to see her die. Yeah. There's, there's just, there's moments in this movie that, you know, they'll get you. 
but they're but not but you, again you're not being manipulated into it. it they, they they come from an honest place right so uh, she, I'm, you know, I'm glad we went down this road. Yeah, she's wonderful in it, and you know, the, she had a considerable filmography. She did a, a lot of stuff. Oh, dude, she's in The Stranger, which is a, one of Wells' best movies. Yeah, and what's funny is this was not the first movie where her and David Niven were a couple. <laughs> no, <laughs> they were an internally yours together. Um, but that again, another one of those really sweet movies, and this was not a huge movie. But it's good. It's another one of those ones that, you know, was that what did I say the other day? It's a dad movie. It's one of those movies I watch with my dad. So this one was like, again, extra special because you get to get them reunited in quite a different, quite a different roles, even though they're a couple. Right. There's nothing about this movie that makes you feel anything but good during and at the end. Yeah. It's just a sweet movie that hits. Even now, 75 Layers hits all the beats that it's supposed to hit. And, uh, you know, I, you're going to watch this and I, and I, I almost want to bet, and I'm not referring to the preacher's wife here. I'm almost betting you're going to see a lot of things in this and other things that you've seen since that have come out oh, since. Yeah. And you're going to be like, oh, oh, yep. Which is what kind of what we talked about with ghost story. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of the things you see in that you found and you found in other game, other movies since, especially other ghost movies, especially big franchises like Mr. James Wan is directed. So there you go. We both knew this wasn't going to be a very long one because. <laughs> right. When you have a movie that is perfect, it is a perfect movie. It's not perfect for 47. It's just a perfect movie. And it, it, and it doesn't have anything where you're going, oh man, you couldn't do that today. Oh man, you can't do that now. There's, it has none of that. Nope. It's not super sugary or anything like that. It's just, it just works. And, and I know a lot of people will say, well, about it's a wonderful life. It's just a little, it's a little corny. It's a little outdated, Not, but this is again, 75 years old. And it doesn't feel the least bit out of sorts in 2022. No, not at all, man. Nope. There's a darker, it, it, there's a realistic tone. There's a, there's a thread of realism that runs through the whole movie, which is funny to say about a movie where an angel comes to visit at Christmas, but yes, <laughs> there's an honesty that runs through the whole thing. And yeah. Yeah, man. It's a movie that I, I'm going to not wait. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have such a long time between viewings. Right. Yeah. It might be something I view every year. Who knows? It, it's free right now on prime and it's beautiful. It's it, the movies never looked that good. No. As far as I can tell. No. Just really quickly. I want to say this. David Niven is probably one of the most underrated. I don't even, I mean, he was, he, he was a character actor. He was a leading man. You know, he was suave. He was debonair. He could play good guy, bad. He, and I didn't realize until right now that he passed away in 1983. <laughs> wow. I mean, really, that's kind of like when I first started watching, you know, I first got into like really watching films. But I mean, I've known who David Niven is forever. You know, he's been passed away most of my movie going life. And I still, I think he's fantastic. And he's great in this as is Grant and Young and, and the whole supporting cast. There's not a false note in this movie. No. Enjoy it. Yep. With your fam <laughs> or separate, whatever. I, one of the things I was super bummed at, like once uh, we started watching it and thankfully it is free on prime because the Blu-ray dude, the Blu-ray is out of print. It's been out of print for nine. Well, it's been, came out nine years ago. It's out of print because the silly ass thing goes for $65 on Blu-ray now. It's because it's only available through third parties and people that decided to want to gouge people. I can't believe that 70, 
$65, No way. But it's weird. Usually when people are asking that much money for them, it's because you can't find it anywhere. Like in this case, like it wouldn't be available on Prime, but there it is. I don't know. Don't buy it anyway. If it becomes available someday, please buy it. But unfortunately, that is uh, the likelihood that you're going to see it somewhere else is pretty slim because technically... Oh, no, Warner Brothers, dude. No Warner oh, Brothers. Oh, yeah. Well, dude, where, come on, Warner Brothers fucking classics. Yeah, seriously. What the hell, man? I mean, come on. Well, even the cover, even the cover for the Blu-ray, it's splashed across the top left corner. It says Samuel Golden. So, I don't know. Maybe they have the rights to this. Why wouldn't it have gone? That's weird. Anyway. I know. It's weird. What the hell, Warner Brothers? What, what in the hell? What in the actual hell? <laughs> Quite honestly, dude. There's such disarray. I don't think you'll be lucky to see any kind of optical disc ever released from uh, Warner Brothers ever yeah. again. I, I retract that. I know exactly what the hell Warner Brothers. Sorry. <laughs> oh, shit. Anyway, there you go. I hope everybody enjoys their Hanukkah on this Sunday and yeah. enjoy their Christmas this Sunday. Yeah. And uh, don't forget. Don't forget to enjoy the Bishop's Wife. Bishop's Wife. And if you are making that long drive. Like you talked about to visit family and you got your own planes, trains, and automobile situation going on. Don't forget your ghost star on Audible, 22 hours. Yeah, man. You can listen to half of it on the way home and half of it on the way back. Or maybe even sooner than that if you get, you know, if you get fed up with your family and peaced out. Yeah, man. Bring your earbuds. An hour and 49 minutes. That is so rare for a movie like this. Anytime you got movies in the, in the late 40s like this that were of this duration they weren't this kind of movie. They were something related to World War II, something war-related, something that, you know, kind of lent to the to more epicness and the time in the seat. Usually these kinds of movies run 90, 95 minutes. Surprisingly, we push two hours on these. You know, it's weird, man. It's a wonderful life, but we're two hours. That, that was the other comparison I made. And when I was watching it, I was, I, I was convinced until I looked it up that the same cinematographer had shot both of them. Well, you know, it wouldn't have been uncommon back then. Well, no, for, of course it's not. Just, I mean, Studio. Just, just like, you know, with, with the acting corral, they still had the same guys handling the, the different roles in different departments. So, yeah. Go figure. Anyway, socials, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you go going to hit us up on Twitter at Karate Pod. Same tag at Letterboxd. Find Corey at Corey underscore Culp and Culper97 and at Karate Pod on Insta. Oh, God. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me at <laughs> rockandrolla33 on your Instagram. Or you can follow me at Dudley at letterbox.com. Dudley, your friendly angel at letterbox.com. Mm-hmm.